Thank you, Danny. Well, we're in the middle of our current sermon series called I Will Give You Rest. And as you may have guessed, it's about rest. Yay! Right? And it's, this is inspired by Exodus chapter 33, verse 14, where God tells Moses, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And at this time, I would like to ask <laughs> and invite all those teaching, confirmation, and Sunday school to head on back with Pastor Angela and when you get there, to sit down and rest. <laughs> awesome. Um, it, and so we've been talking about rest. We've been kind of like laying out some different things. We took this little survey, which if you haven't done this, you might be able to find one of those somewhere on the back on one of these tables. And this, this is meant to uh, help, help us understand kind of where we are mentally and where we are in practice, and that uh, kind of was a fun little exercise. The first week, we talked about rest being something we experience. It's physical, it's spiritual, it's eternal. And resting is at heart of, the God, of God's created order. Week two, we talked about Jesus and this crazy claim that he makes, you know, like, if you come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. And this fundamental change that happens because of Jesus, that we can experience the fullness of rest physically, spiritually, and eternally because of him. Last week, Phil talked about the gift of rest that God has given to us. And kind of, uh, again, the guy, we've got this, the physical rest. We always think of rest as just sleep, but it's so much more. And, and we kind of know, well, eternally, God promises us, you know, Sometimes we put on tombstones, rest in peace, you know, so there's this kind of, well, there's physical and there's this eternal thing, but right stuck in the middle is this spiritual gift that God experienced that we can enter into. This is what the book of Hebrews is talking about. Even now, we can enter into God's Sabbath rest. And so we've been talking so much about rest. In fact, I've even heard from some of you that you've been, you know, trying to develop some new habits. Um, and I just want to know, why am I so tired, right? Why, why, are, why are we so, you ask people like, hey, how's it going? And I mean, 50% of the time, people say, oh man, I'm just so tired. Maybe it's because we push ourselves to do more and more and more, right? At the office, we push ourselves at home. Uh, I push myself on vacations. And even though I know I need to slow down, that I need to stop, I need to rest, I'm afraid of missing out. Sometimes I'm afraid of falling behind. I know for some people, they've, they've talked to me about, it's like impossible for them to even do that, right? They're just kind of unable to let down and to rest. Why are we so tired? Well, maybe there's a gap between what I know, ah, I know I need this, I know this is good for me, and what I actually do and practice. And um, today, we're gonna start to mind that gap and hopefully bring it together uh, one step closer between what we know and what we do. And this has to do with a little word called the Sabbath. And whenever I say the word Sabbath in a church context, everyone kind of just goes, holds their breath a little bit, right? Like, oh no, this is where Pastor Dan asked me to take a whole day off and stare at the floor or uh, to take Sundays and cover my head or not drive a car, or do some really extreme thing in recognition of observing the Sabbath. And I just want to say, we shouldn't be scared of the Sabbath. Right? This was meant to be a blessing 
a blessing to God's people. It's meant to be a blessing to us. And there's a whole lot of fuzziness among Christians about the actual Sabbath, or uh, maybe it's that our understanding of it has, um, it might be based more on our experience than anything else. I just happened to grow up in a, in a family, a church-going Midwestern family. And we went to church every week. That was understood as when the Sabbath happened. It was on Sunday. And my parents weren't too strict about it. We went to church almost every week. But, uh, and, and I also remember, like, from my childhood, like, little snippets. Like, I remember them disapproving. Like, there was a time when all the stores were closed on Sunday. And, you know, Europe, by the way, still... I mean, sometimes they're just smarter than us. We have to, we might work harder, but, but you know, Europe still has these, largely, Sunday, you don't do anything. Everything's closed. And so my parents would complain when the stores were open on Sunday. I remember that as a kid. And the reason they complained, they're very, very clear. They're like, you know, it's not that shopping is wrong. It's that the people have to work on Sunday. And they weren't so strict about it. I mean, my dad was a farmer and we had livestock, right? So, so cattle and pigs, they get hungry on Sunday. And so somebody has to go out there and feed them. But for the most part, I remember my dad kind of taking it easy on Sundays. And then probably when I was, I don't know, like 10 years old, fourth, fifth grade in that zone, my dad largely stopped farming and he opened up a hardware store instead. I know what you're thinking, retail, right? Oh, does this mean that he started working on Sundays? And I even, I, I texted my mom this week and I'm like, the store wasn't open on Sunday, was it? And my mom was like, no, no. Like, dad took that day off. And I remember now, like, looking back, kind of marveling at that, like, wow. I mean, it was a hardware store in a farm town, so there probably wasn't a lot of retail action anyway. But still, he kind of practiced what he preached, and I appreciate that about him. But let's back up a little bit. What is the Sabbath? The word Sabbath, which words like Saturday, seven, sabbatical, words like that are derived from, it means to cease, to stop our activity. And traditionally, this was done from Friday evening at sunset until Saturday at sunset. That's how the uh, nation of Israel tells time. Saturday was a Sabbath for God's people Israel. And in addition to not doing anything that they would consider work, which is kind of, I mean, there's a lot of landmines there, it was also the day for synagogue in corporate worship. So it was not only just the, you know, the holy space that they would enter into in the temple or the, the synagogue, it was also holy time. And Christians realized that holy time, um, you know, the first Christians were Jewish, and so they kept observing the Saturday Sabbath. But then they would also gather together on Resurrection Day, Sunday, and worship the risen Christ. And as the church became less Jewish and more Gentile, they stopped doing the synagogue thing on Saturday, and they started doing the Sabbath thing more on Sunday. And there are, you know, you think of the Seventh-day Adventists, okay? They're a Christian denomination that still does Saturday Sabbath. But there are many good and sound theological reasons to move it to Sunday. And we're not doing anything wrong by um, not gathering together on Saturday. 
uh, that I could speak for many hours, maybe not many hours, but at least many minutes on some of the cool things related to that switch. But all I want to say is that it has to do with something insanely cool, okay? And, and I'll, I'll, I'll keep, it, keep it short here. Um, it has to do with this whole idea of holy time. That because Christ fulfilled, I mean, he was the tabernacle. He came to, God came to dwell among us. And then, and then that, the holy space of the tabernacle and the temple, we don't need that anymore because well, actually the Holy Spirit dwells in us, right? And so holy space switched and so did holy time. And when the book of Hebrews talks about entering into Sabbath rest, they're talking about this revolutionary thing that each and every single follower of Jesus Christ can do because of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, that no matter where you are, no matter what time it is, you can enter God's presence. You, can, you already are in the Sabbath rest, that this can become a physical thing that we can know. And if that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what will. I'm getting ahead of myself. The important point here is that the Sabbath was a day of ceasing your work, of rest, of worshiping God. And activities and work uh, isn't the enemy. The issue is that we as human beings have trouble stopping. Amen? We are not human doings. We are human beings. As worn out as that saying might be, it's true. Human beings are hardwired for rest. We need it. That's how God made us. We're made in his image even, and even God rests. The almighty, all-powerful Lord of the universe took a break, not because he needed to, because he wanted to. For six days, God is a God who is creative. This is out of Genesis 1 and 2. He's, he's creative. He works. He's extremely productive. And then on the seventh day, God also rests. He takes time to enjoy all of his creative handiwork. And so as people made in the image of God, we, we're a reflection of our creator. We too have the capacity to be creative, to work hard, to produce. But we also have the need to rest because we are the creature and not the creator. We actually need rest. Biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann has this to say about the Sabbath. He says, By the end of six days, God had done all that was necessary for creation, and so have we. When it comes to the Sabbath, we're even commanded to stop. Exodus 20 lays it all out for us, saying, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter or male or female servants nor any of your animals or foreigner residing in your towns. Okay, God's closing the loopholes. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy, set it apart. Um, that's, that's from the Ten Commandments, God's, you know, top ten list for human beings. And um, 
There's a couple ways that you can look at the Sabbath being included in that list. And one would be like this, that being a workaholic in God's eyes is on the same level as being a murderer, right? I mean, it, it, it's in there, along with other really, really important things. Or, you know, you could choose to say that having a day off is really important to God, as is honesty and honoring your parents and not covening your neighbor's stuff and like all of these things, okay? But, but that's a pretty significant deal, isn't it? Hey, have some time. Take a day off, especially spend the day worshiping me. So how do you think the original Israelites have heard this? I've mentioned this several weeks. You know, keeping in mind they were most recently slaves. I would assume there was like massive rejoicing, right? Like people high-fiving each other like, we'll get a day off, yeah, right? I mean, they were super excited. Not so much. I don't think they got it. Phil was talking about this last week. Like, you look through Scripture, I mean, it's just over and over and over and over again, God is asking his people, like, why, why, aren't, you observing, why aren't you observing your day off, your, the Sabbath? And they just didn't seem to get it. Later on, Exodus 31, this is verse 14. So it's just kind of progression almost. The Lord is talking to Moses, and he's like, Observe, go tell the people this. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. What? Uh, what? <laughs> put to death? Like, that seems kind of extreme, doesn't it? Holy cow. I guess God is, is really, really serious about this. But it didn't mean that they started doing it. Like I said, over and over again, this is, this is repeated. Like, hey, why aren't you observing the Sabbath? By the way, that's Exodus 31 uh, for you Bible scholars. Exodus 32 is the golden calf. Okay, so go ahead and read that for an exercise and really, really not getting it. But if you fast forward to the exile, so eventually, you know, the prophets are saying, hey, you're not observing God's Sabbath along with a lot of other idolatry. And, you know, Babylon comes in, takes them into exile. And as they're reflecting on what just happened, they realize, I think it's Jeremiah talks about, hey, hey it's, you're going to be in exile for 70 years because that's the amount of time that the land is going to have its Sabbath that you you know, gypped it from. So there is this connection between being in exile and judgment and Sabbath. And um, it was so clear that they just didn't understand this concept. So what about us? Is there something we can learn here? And before you shut down, because you're worried, I'm going to tell you that you have to take a whole day off and do nothing, which would that be so bad? No, not at all. But people, they get all weird when we talk about the Sabbath. They make it full of rules, right? You either can't do any of this and it squeezes all the life and joy out of it, or it just becomes like totally meaningless and we miss the blessing. I've had people ask me why they think we need two days, as a society, why do we need two days off from work each week? I mean, if the rhythm God established was six days on and one day off, and I'm like, well, that's a good question if you're a workaholic, right? <laughs> right? Well, I, one day, this is excessive. We've doubled the amount. And part of it is because we think 
in 21st century terms, where work is defined as a job that we get constantly, you know, paid to do. And so we think of this like, oh, if I'm not at the office, then I'm not at work. But that breaks down really fast, doesn't it? Right? Like, what if you're a stay-at-home mom? Oh, I guess you're, oh, you, you, you don't work at all, right? Don't throw anything at me, okay? <laughs> right? I mean, there's lots of, the, the farmer example, that's, an, that's another one. Like, there are lots of jobs where people just don't have the luxury of, of because we're thinking of work as this is something that I get compensated for. Work has a much broader definition than what we get paid to do. And the first step in any of us finding the blessing of the Sabbath is to take stock of all that we're doing. God's not going to make you rest. Neither should we. We shouldn't confuse, you know, by the time of Jesus, they had made so many rules that he had to remind the Pharisees, like, look, the, the, <laughs> we weren't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for us. God made the Sabbath a blessing for you, for me. It's not a curse. And so when we let the pendulum swing all the way towards, oh, you can't mow your lawn or shop at Costco on Sunday, that's too far, right? Or the other side is where the Sabbath just becomes another, or, you know, Sunday or whatever day is the Sabbath. Like, it just becomes another day of the week, and we totally miss out on the blessing that God has meant for us to be. People don't get it. And what I want you to see here is that we're dealing with something that has to do with our own broken human nature. It's hard for us to stop, to cease, to to rest. And one reason is because we haven't developed the trust necessary in God. And the trust has to do with he's going to provide what we need. You see, during the Exodus, God would send manna to the Israelites. And, you know, they're in the wilderness. You remember this? They don't have to shop for groceries. Like, God provides them manna in the morning and then quail descend upon the camp at night. And for five days, the Israelites were to gather as much manna as they needed for that day and then to get rid of it. And part of the miracle, which as I was reading through this passage this week, the light bulb went off because I don't know that I ever really paid attention. There's a Exodus 16, 18, has this little phrase, everyone had gathered as much as they needed. And part of the deal is that, like, some people would go out and gather a whole bunch. Big family, right? Oh, we're back. And other people would go out and gather a little. But there's this idea. The Part of the miracle was everyone always had as much as they needed. There was never too little. But for the people who wanted to hoard the manna, and evidently there was a lot, it would turn into, like, maggots if you didn't get it get rid of it, and it would stink. So everybody would know, like, oh, you kept your manna overnight, right? The whole idea is, no, you're supposed to, you're, they're training the Israelites. God is training them to trust the Lord for tomorrow. You don't have to hoard it. You're going to have enough. Well, okay, so you throw it out. Sure hope there's manna in the morning, and guess what there was? Except on day seven, right? On the Sabbath, there was no manna. God had 
Clear instructions. On the sixth day, go out and gather twice as much as you think you need because God is resting on the Sabbath and so are you. No manna on the Sabbath. Got it. So for six days, the Israelites were trained to rely on the Lord's provision for tomorrow. The Lord is enough for tomorrow. And then on the seventh day, they were trained to rest and trust that all of the efforts over the previous week or previous day, um, that God's provision was going to be enough for today. Do you see how crazy that is? I mean, that's hard, right? I mean, for some of us, no. Because you've developed that kind of faith. Yeah, God's going to provide for tomorrow. I'm going to have enough for today. Are we talking about the Sabbath or are we talking about faith here? They overlap, don't they? Rest and Sabbath and faith all overlap. There's always faith involved with the Sabbath, with resting. And the first temptation that all of us have is that there's a whole world of opportunity before us. There's lots of manna out there on the ground that we could gather. And I'm not going to stop until I've cashed in on as much of it as possible. Where does that lead? You may have a lot of material success. You may also end up being very lonely. Or you may also end up being extremely burned out. You know, we tend to have faith that if we, or we, or we have to have the kind of faith that if we order our lives the way God designed creation to work, with regular times of rest, each day, each week, each month, that God is going to provide enough for us. We're going to have enough. That's what we would call trusting God for tomorrow. Jesus says it another way. He's like, look at the birds of the air. Do they sow or reap? No. Yet God provides for them. Are you not more valuable than they? And I understand that for many of us, if we work just a little extra, we're going to be a little more comfortable, right? We're, we're going to have a, a, a little more money. Maybe we'll feel a little more secure. And actually, it's wise practice for us for us to save and plan for the future. But we have to develop the kind of discernment of like, well, so, you know, am I just short-circuiting my faith and my trust in God here by continuing to go out and, you know, produce more and more and more or work harder and harder and harder? I think all of us need to kind of look at our own motives pretty ruthlessly. Is this just about more, you know, greed in my life? Is this just about bad habits that I have? Avoiding people at home? Maybe I stay at the office and stay busy because I just don't want to deal with the thoughts that are in my head. I don't know. Why is it so hard for us to cease to stop? You know, sometimes we, go, we all go through seasons where there's just a lot happening. You know, there's a lot of pressure. Maybe it's a work thing. Maybe it's a home thing. Your, your schedule is, the family schedule is full, and it seems, how, how could we possibly ever slow down? I've got a few ideas. But the point I'm trying to make is we need regular times of rest. And we need the thing that we call a Sabbath. A time when activity ceases. A time to stop being productive. A time to rest and enjoy all that God has made. A time to connect with God and worship both on our own and with our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what it's for. Why is it so hard to rest to stop to enjoy the Sabbath? 
One reason is that we haven't developed the trust. Another reason is that we haven't developed the rhythm. Almost two years ago, I started a discipleship journey. I kind of fell into this group of other pastors, and most of us, I've, I've talked about this before, you know, we're, we're spread out kind of on the West Coast here, California to Washington. And for much of the last two years, I meet with them every week. And we kind of, where there's these things that we, we kind of check in with one another, and there's some discipleship content uh, that we work through and we're trying to actually live before we teach it to anyone else. And one of the things that comes up has to do with our rhythm of resting and working. And over the years, I've done a lot of personal work to create good boundaries because I didn't have them. Um, for a long, long, long time, I was a student. You know, there was a few years where I wasn't a student and I worked, and then I had a job where I would work like 80 hours a week. And, and, then, and it was seasonal too, so sometimes, it was a camp and conference center. Like during the summer, it was 120 hours a week. I mean, it was just, you never had any time off. And then, you know, by the time December rolled around, you had free time coming out your ears. Um, so I, I just had really bad, and then I was in school. And so there, there was just always this blur. There was no clear boundaries. By the time I was married and having kids, I was a mess, okay? And so I had to work really hard at having boundaries. Like I am clocking out at, 5 p.m. or whenever it was. It was actually 4 p.m. Because when you have little kids, between 4 and 5 p.m., that's the witching hour, right? When everything falls apart at home. Some of you know what I'm talking about. So I would tell my colleagues, like, I'm out of here. I'll come in as early as you need me to come, but don't expect me to stay beyond this zone because i got to get home. So over the years, I've had to work really, really hard about, with having boundaries. And then as soon as you get them kind of locked in place and you get that rhythm going, then what happens? Life changes, right? And so you have to kind of figure it out all over again. Well, one of the things that came up when I, two years ago when I got into this discipleship group is they had this concept that they call the semicircle. And some of you are going to smile because I've talked about this with you. And it's it's actually been insanely helpful for my current stage of life. And what's been helpful is um, my facilitator asked me, he's like, are you working from rest or are you resting from your work? Okay. So I said, you know, I'd think about it. I was like, you know, actually the way that I structure my week, I, sometimes I work from rest. But man, when I look at like time off and vacations and my whole year, like, yeah, definitely not. Like usually vacation time for me is recovery time. And so why is this important? Well, because in Genesis 1, when God, you know, Adam and Eve, first day of creation for them was a day of rest. And then the fall happens, right? And sin enters the world and everything gets, you know, upside down, down pineapple cake. One of the things my facilitator talked about was like, well, what if that was the rhythm that we were created to work best? Was like, out of rest, we work. There's this pendulum between you, you resting first and then out of that, your tank is full and then you have this really difficult, arduous season that you enter into at work and you still might need some recovery time at the end, but you're not just like running on fumes by the time you get there. Oh, 
well, I've never done that before. And then the challenge became, how would I ever do that, right? And about a year and a half ago, I took a look for the first time in my life. Some of you are going to laugh because you're total planners. I'm not. On the Myers-Briggs, I am as a perceiving P as you can get. So I do good with options. I do good with flying by the seat of my pants. I looked at my whole year, and I put my vacations in. And where I put my vacations in, it was very specific. So for a pastor, uh, occupational hazard happens to be that all of my busiest times are when my kids have time off. Christmas, Easter, the district, is all, Holy Week is always like spring break week. So we just never did those as a family. So we just never did any time off during the year. We kind of fit it in when we could. And so I was like, well, what if before Advent, a really busy season, I took a break? And then um, what if before Lent started, I took a break? Which that's, you know, like President's Week, which is always 40% more expensive than any other week of the year. But we tried it last year. And I think it changed my life. Because I, I, I was all happy and rested. I felt great. By the, right before Thanksgiving, we took a vacation. And then I hit Advent, and it was, it was great. And I, you know, I caught my breath after Advent. And then right before Lent started, I had another break. And all that was great. And I got a few days off during spring break when my kids were home. I mean, it was revolutionary. And then the summer hit. And this summer was a train wreck. You want to know why? Because I didn't plan for it. I thought, oh, we'll do a family vacation, but I hadn't like sat down six months beforehand and like scheduled it in there. So it just filled in. I know right now this sounds like the wisdom of Dan, okay? But I'm telling you, there is something to this. So this fall, I sat down, I was like, I'm doing this again. And we put in all the, like I figured out where this is gonna be a break, this is gonna be a break, because I want to work from rest rather than resting from my work. And there's something to the daily, weekly, monthly, yearly rhythm that, to life. And when we ignore that, it's to our detriment. God has created us to need rest. And so we have to find it. And, um, I, you know, Moving forward, this is going to be a, a theme for me because I, I've noticed over the years that whenever I talk about this topic, whether it's Sabbath and having specific times, like people just, they're like, I want that. The difficult thing is getting there. And sometimes you have to be strategic. Sometimes you have to do some internal work because there's stuff that you have to deal with first. Maybe it's some self-image things or whatever. Because... It's never just going to happen. You have to make it happen, and it's worth it. That's where the blessing is that God provides through rest and Sabbath. Please join me for prayer. Lord, we come before you, and, and we simply ask, um, help us to do this. Um, we live in a culture that largely ex just ignores the days of the week. And we don't have the benefit of, um, you know, Sundays are not protected. We just dump 
everything that we couldn't get done during the week into our Saturday and Sunday now. Or, uh, some of us, that's not even our traditional weekend. You know, they're spread out. So, man, it can be so difficult. But we can learn to live in this rhythm, Lord, because of Jesus Christ inside of us and because of your provision. You've given us enough. And if we want to make this happen because, you know, we have a, a half day or a whole day where we can just dedicate it to enjoying the creation that you've given us and also worshiping you together with brothers and sisters in Christ, why wouldn't you honor that? Of course you would. So help us to pray dangerous prayers, Lord. Help us to pay attention to this need in our life. Help us to establish a new rhythm Whatever it may be, maybe it's just having good boundaries around our workday and developing new habits around, you know, the, the, the days of the week that we are getting stuff done so it doesn't leak over into weekend days. I don't know, maybe it's the, the schedule thing like I was talking about, Lord. There is something here. And when we choose to do that, to honor you, to spend time with you and enjoy the people in our lives, the relationships that, that you've given us, Lord, of course you want to honor that. So we pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom and discernment, that you would help help us to develop the trust that we need to take those steps and the rhythm that we need to actually get there. We pray this in your powerful name. Amen.